Hello and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Garrity. Today, our guest is Global Vice President of Customer Success and Renewals at Oracle, Catherine Blackmore. Catherine is a thought leader and innovator in the area of customer success, with over 20 years of experience helping a diverse list of clients, from small business to Fortune 100 customers. In our conversation today, Catherine talks about how to implement customer success standards across global organizations. We discuss how Oracle re-examined the structure of customer success teams, and Catherine shares her own customer success philosophy. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I think you will too. So without further ado, let's head over to studio to meet Catherine Blackmore. Catherine, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. To kick things off, could you tell us a little bit about your journey to your career at this point? Because I I love hearing people's backstories and how they inform the person they are today. Oh, sure. It has been a journey for sure. And perhaps a little unusual when you're thinking about what I do now in technology, Um, So I'll go back to really where it began within customer success and how I was brought into the role and started to engage with the profession. And it was in 2007. Now, you know, on paper, that's not that long ago, but when we think about technology, that was eons ago. You know, 2007 was when the iPhone was launched. (laughs) And (laughs) that was where LinkedIn finally became profitable. I think we started to actually use LinkedIn that year. And also, I mean, my goodness, that was the year that Facebook and Twitter went global. So I I mentioned all of this because it really was at the start of the tech boom. And it's probably no surprise that as cloud and SaaS companies were starting to erupt and take off and get funding, that we started to find this dilemma of customers churning. You know, as easy as it is for customers to leverage technology in the cloud, stand it up, start to get value. Well, if they don't get value, they're going to leave. And that was the phenomenon of cloud that really, in my mind, and certainly we talk about in customer success, gave birth to the profession. So so that was the epicenter of where, you know, I was drawn in and, and my background certainly attracted a Silicon Valley co-founder. And I, my first uh, tech job was at Jigsaw that later became a part of Salesforce. We'll talk about that. But I think it's important to start up, to talk about the start yeah. because you know my background was prior in account management roles. I led teams in consumer packaged goods. Um, and you would say, wow, that's really strange to go from CPG <laughs> to tech. How did that work? But if you think about it, you know, a lot of the things that I had been experiencing before joining tech was all about managing customers. In this case, it was a channel you know, our retailers, helping them be successful with what we were selling to them. And we had to compete, um, help our retailers compete. You know, I, my customers, my, my retail customers were not Walmart. They were everybody competing against Walmart. Right. And they were coming to, you know, me as a, an account leader and leader of teams to help them be successful, which meant, you know, we had to be much more bespoke and, 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 and advisory in helping them and being more data driven. And so, those were a lot of the capabilities that had attracted the co-founder of Jigsaw to talk to me about this new role. And it uh, became really the center of what I've been able to tap into for my entire career here. Was it challenging to be, I suppose, you know, data centric, you know, at that time, like were people kind of open to it? In the role of customer success, I will tell you, 
it was too early. It was too early. Right. I mean, it's probably very provocative to say that I saw a hundred year old <laughs> CPG company more more progressive than a technology company in serving their customers. I mean, that is so strange to say, but it is so true. Now, you know, when I think about the days I had in managing customers in a, in a very traditional channel, no doubt we had our data challenges, but, you know, we, we had access to information about what our customers bought or our retailers bought, trends and analysis on what made them successful, and then really getting involved with a lot of change management initiatives that helped them take cost out of the system, become um, more customer centric themselves in terms of listening to, you know, who's coming into their store. How do they attract an audience when they think about buying their products? And we even developed products. And one of my companies I work for, we actually developed a product that was centered around the profile of customers that were coming into their store. And again, a, a data driven decision to really build that product and yeah. help them develop the go to market to get it out there and to really help them be successful with that and attract, you know, more members in this case for them to come into their stores. So. You, know, you think about that, again, traditional channel, um, applying some of those foundations to an area that was emerging. When, you know, certainly, we had the capability of developing the technology. It just wasn't there yet in 2007. So now, you know, could you tell us a little bit about your role in Oracle and what it involves? Sure, sure, absolutely. So now we're going to flash forward to today. And I know we'll probably get caught up a little bit in between in terms of some of those inner workings of what led us here today at Oracle. But today, I lead our customer success organization, for North America with the responsibility of helping us facilitate all of our customer success deliverables, our model, our framework, our tools for all of Oracle. And right now our focus is primarily on SaaS because that's where certainly uh, customer success has been birthed. But what we're seeing is that there's an appetite for us to really look at the role of customer success across all lines of business, all aspects of how we help our customers. And so it's really this approach, methodology, and commitment to being customer centric that I'm really at the epicenter at in terms of Oracle. I'd love to hear kind of how you describe your own customer success philosophy. Mm, sure. Well, my philosophy is you've got to meet customers where they are. Mm. And, and, and I'll explain what that means on a couple of different levels. I mean, it certainly, certainly is important when you're in the field working with a customer and understanding what their needs are, but it has to also be in the design of the service. You know, so how do you think about where your customers are? You know, where are they at on their maturity grid of leveraging your technology? You know, you may have the best vision of implementing your solution in the most progressive, advanced way. But if your customers are not at that level, they're just not there yet, you're going to go over their heads. You're not going to develop services really valuable to them. And so sometimes it, it may mean, you know, taking a step back and really looking at what you need to deliver to your customers in that moment and where are the gaps within the company, you know, who's not delivering to your customers and what do they need to be successful? So I, that's really, again, my philosophy. And I think it provides that important flexibility of how organizations need to think about the role and the purpose of customer success. I know many of our listeners kind of are interested in the role of the customer success manager. I'm wondering how has the CSM function evolved since you started in Oracle? Sure. Well, I will say that the evolution of the role of customer success is no different for any SaaS company. I think that's important. It's no different for Oracle. It was no different when I worked with my peers and colleagues at Microsoft, at SAP, and when I was at Salesforce. You know, it, it really starts at a point where 
you are a firefighter. And that's, again, it, it seems strange that that's the job you need to be doing, but I'll explain it a little minute by why that's so important. You kind of can't skip this stage in the evolution of the role. And then you move to fire prevention is what I like to call it. So really reactive to proactive. And so when you think about reactive and why is it so important to actually be reactive? Well, when you actually haven't launched your product yet or you're just starting to launch your product or service, you need to be responsive. You need to learn. You know, your primary job is to help customers go live, stand up the technology and start to use it and start to establish what value looks like. Not in the value in the eyes of the company like us. It's what does value mean to the customer? And so being, you know, reactive is making sure that you're, you're, you're listening, you're there, you're just, your job is to help and feed that information back into development. You know, keep feeding it back so we can learn, we can better execute. And you kind of have to be nimble and, and open at that stage before you can get to a point of scale. You, know, you just really, really have to. And so to me, when you start to make that turn where you start to indicate, I know what success looks like with my customers. You know, we, we've been at this for a while. We start to understand where they, you know, where kind of common challenges of either adoption or even going live. You know, we understand what that looks like. We know how to solve it now. Um, we have all of these different plays that we've been using and we can kind of start to segment what that starts to look like. You know, once you start to structure that, then you can be in more what I would call fire prevention or this proactive role. And proactive looks a couple of ways. It, it mm. looks at how I'm delivering, no doubt. I'm aware of what you're going to need to do and I'm going to help you prevent, you know, acts you could take that could put you in a red situation, if you will, or, or lead you down a path where you're going to have a challenge or struggle adopting or, or rolling out a business process. Mm. Um, or it could also be, again, more, more aware of the information we're receiving from customers so we can use that in a method to where we can be more, more proactive, just looking at data. And so that's, that's been the evolution. And then now that, you know, when you think about when you're in that proactive phase, you can even take it further, whether it's Oracle or whether, again, it's the other large B2B companies that are, are very focused on selling to, you know, large enterprise, you know, you need to be in a, in a one-to-one fashion at the beginning, you know, when you're thinking about having, you know, CSMs, you know, having a very, low ratio, you know, one yeah. to five accounts, 10 accounts. But then you think about being data-driven, being proactive means you can really start to scale in that model where you can be more predictive. You can move to more uh, one-to-many approaches um, and even leveraging technology to be able to deliver some of the work that you've been doing around helping instruct or educate or drive even in-app guidance or adoption where your people can shift to be doing more kind of senior, more advisory, kind of higher level work to help with your kind of model of your service. And so that's been our journey at Oracle, but quite frankly, it's the journey that many of us in customer success that have led these teams have been on. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that... All businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. 
I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service, and it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right? And see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. You spoke earlier a little bit about kind of, you know, your role and you're obviously kind of, you know, you're looking after SaaS customers all across the world and facilitating standards, you know, consistently globally. And I'd love to know how you go about doing that. Like, how do you facilitate standards consistently globally? It's a lot of customers. It is a lot of customers and there's a lot of CSMs and there's a lot of nuances to putting together a global framework for customer success. So I'm really proud. And, and I think if the other leaders, global leaders with, who were with me here on the call, we would equally say that this was a remit that we all raised our hands to help design, you know, especially for a company like Oracle, where we have, you know, thousands and thousands of customers and we hear every day, you know, the needs of our customers and knowing that our customers are also global customers, you know, the experiences that they have in one region to not replicate in another region becomes, you know, not the type of experience our customers want. And, and really, when we think about the delivery of a globally consistent customer success model, it builds trust. It builds trust for our customers. Yeah. That they know how to rely on you. They know this role and it's here for them and they understand what they can expect. But it also builds trust with our people that this is a profession we're investing in. We see this as a critical role within our go-to-market and it has a clear swim lane. And so when we came together, you know, when I facilitated our first session together as global leaders, our four major regions, we talked about our North Star, our purpose. You know, it really is to think about what our customers need at every stage of their life cycle and how can we deliver it in a global way. And also knowing that our people, our people, the profession of customer success, you know, being able to come together will allow our, our individuals to thrive and to grow and develop. Um, and I think a lot about, you know, some of the aspects of career development, which I know we'll talk about in a moment. But those were the things we discussed. Now, you know, when you talk about these lofty goals and ideas, um, <laughs> it's exciting. But how do you actually make it real? And that's where mm. I've seen a lot of major global initiatives breakdown is when you don't have that ability to execute. So equal to the leaders coming together, we early took the decision to stand up a global, and you could we kind of called it a virtual PMO, meaning that we needed to all offer up some of our folks from our teams to serve in a global capacity, you know, spend some extra time helping us execute. And that global PMO included, you know, how do we design our service? Um, what does right. that look like? Um, it included training, Included tools, change management, operations, and even overall program governance. And, and we stood this team up to help us design and execute. And, you know, in doing that, you know, the first decision we had to take is what are our major deliverables in front of our customers? What can we all agree on? And thankfully, you know, that wasn't too difficult because we'd been running in different regions, you know, a customer success model that was, I would say, 80% similar. 
So we knew it probably wasn't as tall of a task if we were starting from scratch and there was zero customer success managers or, you know, again, really, really in a reactive stage where there were zero deliverables. But yeah. thankfully we did. But then the, the hard part, though, was to make sure that we reviewed every single thing we did, though, in the region. And our approach was we wanted to, you know, to build the best, we're going to take the best from every region and, and really put that into the framework in our deliverables so every CSM around the globe could see themselves in the model. And that was also important because we now have one tool that we leverage across customer success. And, you know, the group that was developing and has been developing that technology for us, uh, they weren't going to accept four or five, six (laughs) different versions. We had to align on one standard way we were going to deliver and a methodology across the life cycle. And that, you know, is also part of what anchored us towards making these decisions is to be able to feed that team with requirements. Otherwise we were not going to have a global tool. Right. And that's um, been such a success element and, you know, we can chat more about it, but that was um, how we got started. I've heard you mention before, I'm not sure if this kind of like ties in with this, but I've heard you mention before about how, you know, a few years back, Oracle re-examined the structure of the customer success teams. I suppose, how did you bring that to the customer success team of today and, and how it's structured and operate? Yes, that was absolutely part of this process. And we've definitely been on a journey, you know, when you think about the size and scale of Oracle, we've been on a journey to make sure that we define the purpose of customer success because it is nascent, it is new. You know, when you think about other roles within Oracle that have been a part of Oracle since Oracle began, engineering, sales, even services, you know, those are established roles. And I think the tricky tricky part is with SaaS in particular as part of our new area of investment, you know, a number of years ago, and we, you know, knew that SaaS companies had established this profession. Well, how would it fit into the go-to-market and the ecosystem of Oracle? And so that's been our journey. And the goal has been to arrive at clear swim lanes with zero redundancy. And and that's, you know, taken some twists and turns to get there, like every company goes through. And I think it's been a, a really important foundational element of what has been part of our design. Because if you think about it, you know, why, you don't want to confuse your customers. You, you want to be able to say that this is the role of customer success versus support versus sales versus services. And to have blurred lines means that customers are confused as to who they turn to. And so, you know, it's not easy work. Um, I would say your job is never done because, you know, I know we'll chat a little bit about how you have to continue to evolve, but customers, you know, need to see us, you know, again, meeting them where they are. What are their needs? What is this role going to deliver to our customers? So making sure that we've been able to test and in and, and, and our design, we definitely brought that into the framework. And were customers looking for, you know, experts and, and you know, mm-hmm. I suppose, how did you roll that out? So going back to what I said earlier about, you know, the evolution of customer success, I would say at the beginning, the beginning they didn't. At the beginning they didn't. Mm. You know, they needed to have someone that would help them effectively solve issues. You know, partner with yeah. development, go live. Again, as part of that reactive, you got to go through it. I mean, you have to be able to understand what customers need in that moment. And if, you know, what we found is that if you're showing up as an expert around how they should be using the technology, an expert understanding, you know, what future processes will look like or what your teams of the future will gather in terms of benefit when the technology stood up. And I'm, I'm kind of almost saying it this way to, to kind of be so obvious that if you've not gone live, those things don't matter to you. Your most urgent scenario is to stand up the technology. And so knowing that, that we have customer success having responsibility at every stage meant that our first job was to help our customers, you know, get help, educate our partners, 
you know, making sure that we develop that service so that they can then, you know, be successful in going live. So when we think about that, you know, once we really evolved, and this was obviously years ago when we went through all of this, once we've evolved, then, you know, naturally that's the moment where you have to evolve. You have to evolve your service. I, you know, was remember years back being in a conference where we were making the shift and, you know, talking to our customers, they were telling us, you know, we are starting to see our CSMs show up as advisors. That is so critical. We want them to know our business. We want them to understand what we're up against in the marketplace, serving our customers, running our teams, our business goals. And at first, you know, I really needed them to help just be responsive and help me solve problems. Mm. But, but we're beyond that now. And now we really need to have someone that can help us think about the future and really, you know, challenge us and, and, and help us you know, understand other aspects of the technology we could take advantage of. The word that pops in my head is agility. I, I suppose it's so important <laughs> when it comes to this. Yes, it is. It is. And I would argue it's central to the role. It's central to the leader. And I think it has to be in the DNA. And I think it's been certainly a big part of how I've been really leading customer success, not just Oracle, even before. You know, I've always thought about customer success as a service is, you know, like any product you're trying to take to market, you know, meaning that you have all the best ideas in a conference room of how you <laughs> want to serve your customers. But until it hits the market, you got to be agile. You got to got to design. And like I was saying earlier, if your primary goal is to help customer very early in the journey and your, your service design doesn't actually accomplish that, it's going to be a miss. And so, you know, we know that there's the evolution overall of, of how the service needs to change. And we think about technology changing. You know, I, I think of customer success and how what you're trying to accomplish with your technology, those are kind of hand in hand. And then your customers are going to evolve. And so I think about, you know, there's, there's this model that I'm probably trying to describe and like, like picture a design or a model where you mm. see this kind of constant evolution where the product's changing, which means your service needs to change, which means your customers are changing, but then your customers are going to advance. You need to bring them back into the product team. And that CSM role is at the center of all of it. What advice would you give to people about like incentivizing their mm. customer success teams? That is a probably a, a question that we debate across customer success, and it's going to mean different things to different teams, just like the service of customer success really is, because it's you know really coupled with the technology and your customers and how you're going to make them successful. So I would say start with who are the people that you're hiring, and what are you asking them to do. So that's you know foundational. I've you know certainly met with many leaders around you know in some cases the role is very team oriented you know, very collaborative. You know, we need to have goals centered around how the team performs versus the individual. And in some cases, it's not. In some cases, it's very, you know, on the shoulders of one. And in some cases of customer success managers are being asked to help really customers not just achieve value, but get to a point of renewal and growth. And those are fine models. You know, those for those, you know, go-to-market teams, for those companies, that's critical to that role. And so you end up hiring a different professional and obviously how you pay them needs to look mm. different. So I mentioned that because, you know, how it aligns to, you know, your service, the people you're hiring, what you're asking them to do means that the compensation plan, you know, needs to match that. And then my last piece would be, advice would be, you know, make sure that the individual has some element of control in terms of delivering that. Right. Output. Just before we wrap up, 
like as a leader and someone who's made like this incredible journey, I'd love to hear your thoughts on allyship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I could probably, we could probably have a whole nother podcast yeah, conversation exactly, about this yeah. topic because it is so important. Um, I will, I will uh, say this, you know, it goes back to how I got started and kind of in a non-traditional career path into technology. And even before, you know, I, I probably years, years later, reflect back, I would say, you know, so many of my opportunities came through allyship and I probably didn't, we didn't know it at the time. I don't think there, we'd really talked about that at the time, but it really was, you know, and so when I think about even advice moving forward is, you know, I think I took for granted at the moment now, which I don't now, the individuals that really unlocked doors for me. And it wasn't just unlocking the doors, but motivating me, seeing who I was and knowing what I was able to accomplish and seeing the future maybe more bigger than what I even thought of myself at that time and really believing in me. To me, that's the definition of allyship and giving me access to power, to meetings, to assignments that helped me grow, helped me get exposure you know, that really helped me advance my career in yeah. CPG. And then when I think about coming into technology, it was allyship that actually got me in the door. You know, having the co-founder of Jigsaw see something bigger in me than I saw myself at the time would not, you know, he didn't allow me to apply to a, a job that he didn't think was designed for me. He designed a career around me. I, you know, that's amazing wow. to have a leader see something in you and design a role around you and say, you know, I think you can help us here and design that role. And I think, Finding leaders like that, you know, that, that will believe in you to help open up areas for you of new career growth, that's been central to my success. And so when I think about where I am now, you know, the legacy that I certainly now think about is how many people have I done that for? And how am I thinking about developing talent for the future? And it is a critical focus. You know, I, I really am challenging myself and my team to build a diverse team, to think about equity and an inclusive culture. And, you know, especially when we think about the profile and the makeup of our organization, we have to look like our customers. We have to look mm. like the rest of the organization. And that is the future. And so having strong programs that really push us to improve is central. And again, it's allyship that's going to be able to help individuals have access to build that, that future of a diverse, equitable and inclusive team. 100%. And I think that's a, a great note to kind of finish up on for people to kind of think about. And then just lastly, where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your work? Absolutely. Find me on LinkedIn. You know, I try to share <laughs> out what we're doing. And certainly, uh, I think you'll see that we do a lot of celebration of our team on LinkedIn. I'm really, really excited about what my team's been up to and certainly thoughts on customer success, on leadership, on diversity, inclusion, allyship, all of that. You can find me on LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, Catherine, it's been so lovely to chat with you today. Thank you so much. Thanks again. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Catherine Blackmore. You'll find a full transcript of today's show on the Intercom blog. The link is in the show notes. Well, that's it for today. I'll be back next week with another episode of Inside Intercom. Thanks for listening. This is Inside Intercom.